Hello and welcome to the Kiwi Advisor Network podcast. Today's episode is with David Chamberlain. David, uh, he's been an advisor or in the advice space for five years and he's just recently made a switch to the dark side, so to speak. He's joined me uh, at Trail on the Kiwi Advisor Network. Uh, really interesting hearing about his journey from those you know, years one to five, what it looked like becoming a, a loan rider type role into uh, graduating, you might say, into more of that advice space. But he's a really good guy. I enjoyed the chat. I think you will too. Remember, this can be logged as your CPD hours. So make sure you chuck it down and uh, enjoy the podcast. David, thank you for joining us today. Warwick, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's actually not your first time doing a podcast, is it? (laughs) I've done one other one, correct? (laughs) Yeah. Well versed, well okay. versed, yeah. And the other podcast, it was uh, it was a Canadian one, right? It was a Canadian one uh, called "I Love Mortgage Broking," and um, yeah, I'm not sure why they had me on, but uh, they wanted the Kiwi, they wanted the Kiwi take on what our, I suppose, what our market looks like. Kind of asking myself the same question. No, <laughs> just kidding. So, uh, David, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. I suppose I um, completed my degree. And was looking for a job and uh, found one at Westpac up in Auckland, took the leap up to the big smoke and started in their finance team. I didn't really know what what to expect. I always knew I wanted to be in the bank or around the bank and um, spent a year at Westpac, figured out it wasn't quite the right fit and um, got introduced to Mortgage HQ, which was uh, iRefi at the time. Great. And how, how did you, so was it a bit of a call out of the blue that you, you found your way into that role? Uh, more or less, yeah. It was, a, it was a friend who had just started working there, uh, Daniel Lippman, and he got me an interview and that's when I met Chuck, Andrew and Blanton. And uh, had, he, had you even considered being a mortgage advisor before that point? <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, even after working for the bank for a year, I didn't, didn't really know what they did, so... I hadn't, hadn't crossed my mind. Okay, yeah. so as a new advisor, you know, your first first year or so, what did that look like? First year of advisor, yeah. First year in the company, uh, I was doing everything from prospecting, uh, helping clients refix, doing the support yeah. uh, on loan applications and figuring out whether I actually wanted to be a mortgage advisor or not. <laughs> you got to figure it out, eh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I suppose that led to, I was there maybe six months and I went to a Christmas break, came back and was like, I'm going to I'm gonna give this a real go. And I was in a team at the time with Brandon, who was a very intelligent guy, very good broker, was doing quite high volumes. And I was just there writing, I suppose you'd call it the support for him helping him um, close all of his deals. Uh, we were doing maybe f- anywhere from five to 10 mil a month and it gave me huge exposure to, to a lot of lending. Um, right. Yeah, helped to round out my experience. Oh, I think it's so cru- crucial, you know, um, even with Trail, I was working on the support team when I first started. Yeah. can just It, it helps you. It, you see things from a different perspective. You really do. Um, I think and it's important to note because... Working with a lot of people, I mean, Mortgage HQ got quite large and there's a lot of people I saw that were really good at their job but never could see themselves as a mortgage broker. Um, they're very diligent, knew the, knew the industry or knew lending inside and out. 
And um, I suppose I was like that too, not not a natural salesman, um, but gained that confidence from being in the support role for for a year or so, well, year some, and a half. Sometimes of you know, lack of confidence in anything is just because you feel like you don't don't know what you're doing or don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. But once you kind of feel like you're li- lying to the to the future leads, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're a little um, what do you what is imposter it syndrome? Imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you've got to have a a good. You've got to have a little bit of imposter syndrome everywhere you go. Absolutely. I still have that big time with this, <laughs> despite having hey, been. Look, a few I've been at trail now. about three months and I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all part of life. It is. Um, you'd finish your first year or so working on the on the assistant side of that business, mm. um, and then you took the step to becoming a mortgage advisor. How did the how did that knowledge uh, take you from like point A to point B? Like, wh- how did you bridge that gap? Yeah, um, I suppose I I was finishing, so, so I did support for like a year, and then I spent about six months being support and getting my accreditations and and all of that. So once I became a mortgage advisor, once again, still support, but also bringing in my own leads and closing my own leads. Um, I say own leads, we had a really good marketing team. So we got, we got quite a bit of support there. Um, the, the thing was once you'd, once you'd done a year as support, um, you'd already been on the phone so much. So confidence on the phone was already there. Um, then it's just translating that from, I know what I'm doing. How do I convey that confidence to the client? And, you know, that took a lot of learning and you learn quite a few key lessons along the way as well. Um, you know, not taking on every client that's there, trying to figure out if there's a good mat, um, match between you and the client, um, trying to figure out what potential hurdles would be in the way of this client achieving what they want to achieve. And I suppose that comes into sort of not overselling the client or what you can deliver. Um, all of these sort of learnings happen over the next six to 12 months. I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, working with the right customer. Because as a young broker, you're hungry for business. Yeah. How do you say no? How does that thought process come about? Yeah, it's a learnt, it's a learnt skill. Um, As a, like as a young broker, I think everyone goes through this and you just take on what you can get and you learn after a couple of clients that don't quite go the way you wanted to that you need to be a lot more selective on who you bring on because uh, it's the whole 80 20 rule um 80 you know 20% of your problems or 80% of your problems are going to come from 20% of your clients and um i mean the way i learned was asking my superiors how do you tackle these problems i would say Nothing comes to mind right now. Yeah. I guess sometimes people call you up and that just might not be the right fit. There's certain, you mm. know, questions you ask and maybe they're not as transparent or you just don't quite click. And I think you got to have the confidence to say, we're about to get into some, you know, we're about to get into bed with each other. Yeah. Metaphorically. But um, <laughs> I want to make sure that you're going to be, you know, prompt and you're going to be a good person to work with and cooperate and patient. Yeah. Um, I suppose cheekily I would... And I would ask a lot of questions in the upfront. So you're asking and probing and, I mean, you, you do them at that transition as a salesperson from going to from rant mode where you just say everything you can do um, to question mode where you're asking the right questions. And as, as you go through that process, you're kind of figuring out whether it's going to be a right fit. 
if there's something I can see in the application that's I can't help with or something that they want that I can't quite get them, that would be where I would say, hey, look, I, you know, I can't do this for you, but you know, this would be the best avenue for you to go down. You know, work with the bank directly or you, know, you might be able to get a better result here. Um, if it gets to a point where you could do something with them, but it is just the wrong fit, it's simply saying, hey, I don't know if uh, we gel and uh, you know, it's a relationship that's got to be working both ways. So. And uh, it, it might be a hard one to pull out because you're working with such a, I guess, a well-oiled machine. But <laughs> yeah, like, were there any lessons you learned that first, you know, six to twelve months of being a, a mortgage advisor that you, you know, maybe you wish that you'd you'd known? The big one um, was being able to say no. So as you as you develop um, the relationship with the client, you can figure out kind of you know with the questions that you ask what what they need or want from. The transaction, whether it be pricing, you know, total lending, um, a certain bank, and <laughs> as a young broker trying to get as many clients as possible, you're inclined to say yes to everything. Um, it often makes it very tricky down the end of the road when you can't deliver. So, saying no and pushing back doesn't mean that you're not going to get the client, but if you can explain it well, it means that it puts their mind frame in, in the correct way, um, so that you can work with them in the future. Right. Yeah. And have you had much of a mentoring role, um, you know, as you got more experienced in terms of helping new advisors? Yeah, I, I could say, yeah, I've mentored a few okay. a few brokers coming through the Mortgage HQ pipeline. And what are some of the things that you would teach them when they first got started? <sighs> Biggest thing is being consistent with calls, with app reviews. Um, you know, there's only a few tasks in the mortgage broker world which – uh, generate income or generate results and it's sort of setting those goals and making sure you stick to them week to week um blandon my my boss was <laughs> he was very rigid and very good at doing that and you could see it in not only his um total lending volume or his output but you could see it in his lifestyle was very consistent it wasn't um it wasn't lumpy and, you know, tons of work one week and then no work the next. It was consistent. Yeah. So working hard on on your key inputs was the first task. You know, if they can do that well, um, they're on the right track and then it's just learning as you go, not trying to give them too much to learn in one go, just working on small things here and there. So it can be quite an intimidating yeah. industry <laughs> if you just jump into it. It is. It is. Um, it's a lot to learn. Yeah. The um, oh, that PD day we went to end of last year, mm. and there was that part where they were talking about doing a time order on your day, yeah, and revenue <laughs> generating activities, yeah. And that's one thing, you know, being in a role that I am now, it's quite not too dissimilar to a, to a mortgage advisor where you're trying to bring in your business, but naturally, <laughs> you just get pulled away into certain certain yeah. pockets. Um, Definitely something I wasn't great at. Um, but you constantly reflect, you know, how was this last quarter? Why didn't I do very well? And often it comes back to spending too much time in, in the areas where you're not actually generating profit or revenue. Yep. Yeah. So would you structure your day in a way that made sure that you did it? Would you, you know, block it out or how, how did you how did you tackle that? I tried to. The <laughs> <laughs> best of intentions. Yeah, best of intentions. Um yeah, I, I definitely tried to. I think um, I was certainly in a unique position where 
um, Mortgage HQ had such a good support model. Um, one of the benefits was we had um, app reviews booked into our calendar. Um, for the most part, it was, you know, partly booked up and um, which is a, a really good way to keep on top of things. Other than that, um, once once I got to a certain level, you just get natural leads coming through um, and existing clients wanting to come through and work. But certainly at the start, um, when I first became a broker, there's that excitement of wanting to do well and grow a trail book and um, and settle, you know, settle deals. So you would often find us there working um, up until 7 p.m. just trying to, um, yeah, get the, get the reviews on. Yeah. Well done, man. And you know, sometimes if you're, if you're a single advisor in your own business, you'd have those meetings with the client. There's that kind of decompression time where you're maybe, you know, filling out the application or you're, you know, booking and reviews, you're doing all that stuff. Mm. It gives the brain a chance to not switch off. It might not be the right term, but at least mm. you're not, you're not on, you know, you're not talking to a client engaging. Yeah. Did you find, you know, if your days, you've got such a good support team, you're stacked up with meetings. Yeah. Did you find at the end of the day you were just exhausted or? I definitely found that, yeah. Towards the end of the day, exhausted. Mm. Um, yeah, but I tell you what, when those meetings go well and those calls go well, it actually gives you a lot of energy. And it wasn't until you got home and a flatmate's trying to talk to you and you're like, <laughs> oh, but i got no energy for this. <laughs> yeah, that's probably when you find it, yeah. So do you have any examples of, you know, your young guy, New to the new to the industry, financial services, all about long term investments, investing in property. Yeah. Did you ever have any clients who maybe push back on your experience? Uh, I, I got a number of stories, um, some that don't come to mind as quickly, but one, one in particular was um, a client I worked really hard on, and he was buying his first investment property, taking in all of um, he, he was taking a lot of um, information from outside about investing and stuff. And uh, we get get his approval, and at the end, he turns around and asks, um, "So, do you do you have an investment property?" Uh, I said, "No." Um, you know, I think I was twenty seven at the time, and uh, he goes, "Okay, I've been told I need to work with a mortgage broker who has investment properties." I, I get the angle, but he, he ended up saying, "Oh, if you don't have any investment properties, like, can you pass me to someone in the team who does?" And um, I kind of felt like I'd give him, given him everything he needed and I didn't want him to waste other people's time. Um, so I actually just ended up telling him to go somewhere else. Um, yeah, it was an interesting one because, yeah. It could be maybe. a tough one to... Eat. Tough one to decide. And, and the hard one is like, do you decide to give it to another teammate or do you, you know, have you got a handle on this guy? And um, I kind of felt like, he was just going to waste my teammates' time as well. So it was a good opportunity just to say, hey, look, maybe we're not a good fit and um, there's plenty of brokers out there that, that you'd be a good fit with. Yeah, I admire that. I think you've got to stick to your guns because, you know, when you start, you know, giving in little parts that you'd normally stay true to, yeah, it starts to creep in other parts of the process and, yeah, look, if you did pass pass them on and then someone else on <laughs> the team's going, what the what? hell have you done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of fish out there. Plenty of fish in the sea and... Um, classic example, yeah, classic saying. Mm. But um, you got to find the right client type for for you and who you get along well with, um, and you'll naturally find that those clients enjoy working with you as well. 
and you get referrals from that. Did you find there was a particular uh, client base that worked quite well for you? Maybe a particular industry or? Um... Not a particular industry. Um, I always love working with the first time buyers. Um, I felt like that was a lot more rewarding. Um, you get them, you, you get to uh, take them on a journey, a very exciting journey for them. Um, one where you get to upskill their financial literacy. Um, you get to teach them a lot. And for them to trust you in that process as well, it's quite big. Um, does end up, you know, a lot of calls back and forth, a lot of, um, a lot of questions, and um, and you know they're not quite sure what they're doing, and um, I just felt like you know I could be that person in the middle, you know they've got the lawyer, they've got the real estate agent, um, and you're someone in the middle that you know if they can trust, then you can help them, you know, quite a bit in that journey hopefully lower the stress levels as well. You can add a lot of value to them, mm. you know, especially if somebody who's brand new, I think back to when we were going through our uh, journey buying our home and it's when you've taken that first step so difficult because there's so many different avenues that you've got to figure out and learn about, but having, yeah, uh, and in a way, you know, mortgage advisors unfortunately do, <laughs> they do turn into sort of teachers and coaches about all different types of uh, aspects of property ownership, but they do, do. Emotional yeah. support. Yeah, emotional support <laughs> therapist. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have any tough calls on the weekends with people who were <laughs> calling you asking for advice? Uh, not necessarily the weekend, although I did have a, a call when I was out one night on a Saturday night <laughs> <laughs> giving advice while I was about four drinks deep. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Is that against the law? Oh, I don't no, know. It should be. <laughs> Breath <Brief, laughs> test. Yeah. Um, definitely had hard calls in my time. Um whether it be, you know, during lockdown, um, a lot of people unsure or going through financial hardship and guiding them through that process. Um, probably more recently when the banks changed um, a lot of their rules due to the triple CFA, um, you know, 10% lending came off, was off the cards. And, you know, for example, I had one client who I'd worked with for, it was probably a year to, you know, she was paying off debts and then building deposit, finally got her approved and then, you know, a month or two later, um, had it pulled. Um, that was a hard conversation. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the, the job you sign up to. How do you tackle a difficult conversation like that? I, to be honest, I, I have heard of some advice on how to give bad news. <laughs> um, my approach is, is the rip the bandaid off. Hello, how are you? How's your day going? Hey, look, I have bad news for you. I usually like the got some good news and some bad news. I mean, if I've got a little bit of good news, I can give. Yeah, yeah, I'll chuck that in. But if, it's, if it's straight bad news, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys? at the end? They're like, "Was there any good news yet?" No. Oh, uh, no. I like to work with you. Yeah, yeah. You're a good person. Yeah. I can give you take that much. Free. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I often I often think, hey, look, I got got some bad news for you. Is it? I really. It's the only way to do it. Preps the mind for the bad news. I've got some good news. But the wow. good news is, you know, person, you've put all that hard work in, you know, you've built some really strong habits around <laughs> your saving goals. And look, I know it might seem like a hard journey getting to that larger deposit, but yeah. look at the trajectory you're on. We can get yeah. there together. There you go. There you go. There's hey, your good look, news. Oh, maybe I'll call that person back. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? I, I blew it all on black at yeah. the casino. <laughs> no, I'm trying to get to 20. Yeah. <laughs> 
based on that advice you gave me that yeah. Saturday night where you, <laughs> you, had, you had a few shandies. Yeah. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> okay, so you, were, um, you know, I saw you were on that top advisor list for a couple of years. Um, no easy feat getting up there. And, you know, how, how did you, you know, doing volumes like that, you got the support team. Was it, how did you find it? Was it tough? Was it hard? Did it come naturally or? Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. I think everyone on that list is it's it's hard to it is hard to get on. You have to you have to know your stuff. But um, everyone on that list is you know comes from a different area. So uh, at Mortgage HQ, I had all the support in the world, and um, you know there were a lot of leads, endless amount of leads. There were people helping booking them in, um, people helping you with your existing clients, people helping you um, write your loans. So it almost felt like there was no other way but to get on that list, if I'm honest. Um, so although it was a big personal achievement for myself, there are people in, in that list who have done it all on their own back. You know, if, if there's a one-man band on that list, that's a, it's a far bigger achievement than, than I could have, um, I could say for myself. But in saying that, what I learned at Mortgage HQ is, you know, within five years, getting the experience I got, seeing the volumes I saw, it was a perfect stepping stone to to potentially one day do that myself. Um, that's how I would describe it. Yeah, I remember you chatting on the phone the other week to an advisor, and you were surprised you you did that amount of volume. Yeah, wow, by yourself. <laughs> do you have any support? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, it does. It, someone, especially that first two years, getting through the first two years on your own, I can imagine it's a huge um, battle, a huge climb up the hill, um, and to, to be able to talk to advisors who are doing it. It's quite rewarding. Yeah. And what are some things, you know, it's, it's often a, a bit of a way up for a new advisor coming in, joining a business, starting mm. their own. What do you think some pros and cons are on, on both sides based on your experience working in a larger organization? Yeah. Uh, look, there's, in my imagination, there's, there can be no bigger thrill than starting your own business, building your own trail book, having your own clients that you can say is your own. Um, so that excitement, that that alone would, would drive me towards it. But um, I think I think organize, you know, being a part of a bigger organisation or being under someone who's experienced is almost a must. Um, it's really hard to learn the, the, the role of a mortgage broker doing two mil a month or seeing two mil a month. So even if you're a support person, uh, for someone to, you know, writing more or a couple of uh, a support person for a couple of advisors um, and you're seeing maybe 10 mil a month, you learn so much quicker. You you learn what you, others would learn in, in one year. You learn what they would learn in three or four. Um, so, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better platform than Mortgage HQ or, um, you know, there's plenty of other businesses out there that offer some, you know, something similar. Um, hard to offer advice on a journey that I haven't, taken being on your own but it is um i would just block out one year and say hey look i've got to get through this year and give it absolutely everything yeah having all that experience working on so many different applications mm. so vital it's one of the main reasons i can't surf i can't even get on the wave <laughs> to practice riding it yeah. you know yeah <laughs> well i have once or twice but yeah it was i tried once i nearly drowned so. yeah there you go <laughs> but then like comparison if you like if you pick up something like skiing yeah, like if you're working in a business already that has leads like Mortgage HQ, 
mm. does. Um, you know, you're getting so many different attempts that, it, you know, you fall down and you get back up, have it go straight away. Yeah. So starting at the point where you were, you know, working as an assistant um, up until the this mysterious point down the road where you feel like you'd, you know, maybe got 80, 90% of the way there in your knowledge of the industry and in mm. products, like how long did it take from day dot to, to that point? I would say it took me about a year. Um, year, year and a half. Uh, that's, I mean, there's still, for me, there was a lot to learn at that stage about being a broker, but being in support and dealing with the volume, um, yeah, about a year. And I, f- I found myself gaining all of that confidence that I needed to, um, you know, even as support, you talk to the client, you're asking for documents and, um, and you're dealing with the bank a lot too. So having those conversations with the bank, um, on a on a more professional level, so you'd say maybe about a year, and you you felt like you were pretty confident in, in the role and, and yourself in the industry. Yeah, yeah, about Great. a year. And um, you know the 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 training program, getting people set up and to a point where they are confident in their ability. Is it just doing it? Is is there other like uh, like training programs you went through that helped on the way? Don't t- don't say the core strand. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy core strand was you can't do it without that. <laughs> literally, you yeah, cannot. yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, there's no better way than um, being on the front lines and doing it. Uh, I think it's the mixture of doing it and then, you know, say like uh, you make a phone call, and you've got someone experienced next to you giving you feedback, um, getting comfortable with the call and adding certain lines in, or once you get have a you know, hold a basic conversation with someone, ask some basic questions. It becomes a lot easier. Your mind is not engaged on how do I get this client to open up or, you know, it's more about, you know, listening to what they're saying and, and trying to fit in certain things that are going to help along the way. Um, so, yeah, doing it and getting good feedback from someone close to you. So have you got any, you know, big failures or lessons that you, you learned during your time as a mortgage advisor? I think you're constantly learning and, and, you know, taking hits and, and losses. Um, you know, one small one that comes to mind is when you're, when I was first um, becoming a mortgage advisor and you're getting into the negotiation on rates quite early on in the piece rather than focusing on um, the bigger value adds, it can, it really hurts. Like um, I, I remember not a specific example, but I remember I used to, you know, they would ask for a certain rate and I would say, yeah, I can get that rate for you. And then sometimes it ends in a situation where the rates have gone up and you can't get it, can't get what you promised. Um, you learn really quickly from that that the battle isn't about rates or it shouldn't be about rates. Um, either they're the wrong client fit for you or you're not focusing on the real benefits, you know, the structure, um, the total lending amount, what what are the future goals of the client, what are they trying to do, um, yeah, which trying to draw the conversation away from rates at the, especially at the start of the call, was um, probably a big lesson. Yeah, it's a tough point, eh? especially anything if someone comes in straight away, what's the price? You know, yeah. it, it's like <laughs> hard to give you get your value across if that's all they care about. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that the clients that ask that they themselves aren't valuing the relationship and what you do. You know, if they just care about the rates, they can probably look on sorted.co.nz. Is that the rates? Yeah. No. 
Yeah, I think I think it's sorted. sorted. We, yeah. I mean, you have it on the on the trail client portal as yeah. well. You can see like the the, the live rates. So I can just list you all the rates that you you know. But it's it, using a broker is not about the rate that you can get. It's about the advice that you can get. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Love I mean, it. every mortgage broker will say that. But. Yeah. Hey, no. <laughs> Repeating a few things often. That's the, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So now you're uh, elephant in the room. You know, you're working with me at Trail Kiwi Advisor Network. Yeah. Um, what was the thought process into making the switch from being a mortgage advisor into working for a provider or software provider or compliance aggregation supplier to, <laughs> to mortgage advisors? Yeah. Um, oh, interesting question. I suppose the, the first part of that question is less about joining here and more about leaving um, mortgage broking. Uh, I felt like in my five years I'd done a lot and and almost accomplished what I'd wanted to with Mortgage HQ. And um, I felt like it was my time to leave. So I left and took four months off. And that was when I started thinking through what's the next step. Um, what I, how do I want to develop my career? And uh, I knew Chuck from when... Back in the day. Back in the day when Trail used to be part of um, Arifi Mortgages. And um, we were in touch and had a few meetings while I was overseas. The main reason I joined and, and signed on was because I wanted to round out my sales ability. Um, I enjoy the space of tech sales, working with businesses, um, trying to solve problems on a business level. And um, I felt like this was a really good space to do it. I've got some pri- you know, some experience, still have a lot to learn. But um, I can definitely leverage off that experience and confidence to um, round out a different way of selling. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah, sometimes going away and taking a bit of time to yourself and a few lonely walks up yeah. the mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how, how have you found it on the other side? It's, a, it's interesting, yeah. Because um, I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, how my point, my view of aggregators um, that we worked with before joining and as a mortgage broker and almost it's almost just this large entity that you have to operate through. Um, but now being on the side, you obviously can see the people and the, and the workings of what goes into being an aggregator. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I spend my day calling businesses and talking to them about how they're getting on and what struggles they're, they're coming into or what... what um, you know, big ones that they're running into. Um, I enjoy it. And a small benefit, I get to work with you. So. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. No. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, full Cheers. disclosure, it's, it works out right because we even play football together. Yeah. So. <laughs> it was the first time I saw your name. And if I'm honest, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> Warwick Slow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you change your name on Facebook. Yeah, people do. Yeah, maybe I should change it to Warwick Fast officially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been really good good fun working with you. Absolutely, um, built a bit of a bit of chemistry, and even to the point where we dress the same most days. You know, <laughs> you, you ran home at lunch to change your t shirt because we're wearing yep. similar outfits, which I which I appreciate. We have a yeah, we have a similar sense of yeah. We'll call it fashion. Fashion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not great, but it's yeah. it's there. You know, I was telling someone, uh, someone asked how it was going at the new job, and someone I really love and I think it should be the aspiration of any business and their working environment is being able to celebrate a win. So like I'll get off the phone and Warwick's there ready for a fist bump 
um, it really feels like you're working in a team and um, it's that energy that pushes you into the next call and the next call. Yeah. I really appreciate that, man. Oh, cheers. Hey, you're welcome. You're doing well. (laughs) Yeah, there's... um, yeah, I come into football. I'm a big football fan, and <laughs> I support Newcastle United. And yeah. they had a big change in management last year. Mm. And uh, same thing, celebrating the wins. So every time they got a win, they'd post this photo on social media of everybody celebrating. Brilliant! And it's yeah. amazing what that type of thing can do for your mindset. Because yeah. even sometimes, you know, I, I feel like you're in the trenches all day, and it's only when you look back and reflect, you're like, "Wow, we actually achieved a lot." Yeah, but. You almost just want to celebrate it and you want to keep pushing on to the next thing. You don't want to just want to rest on your laurels. Yes. But taking a moment. It also relates to my trip away. I, I did a, a little bit of it on my own, um, about seven seven weeks. I'd had two weeks of that with Aiden, but so five weeks in a van traveling around the States by myself. And um, you often get to these massive, you know, these wonders like um, Horseshoe Canyon or oh, Yosemite. Yosemite, and, and you're, you're looking out to this incredible landscape. You kind of just like, what's next, you know, because you can't celebrate it with someone. You can't, you, can't, you know, you're not enjoying it with someone. There's nothing to talk about. It's, um, I think it's similar with the workplaces. If you can't celebrate the wins, you kind of just sit there and either rest on your laurels or fist bump. Yeah, so the cheeky fist bump is yeah. good. And look, some, like not everybody's the same. You know, some people True. don't need that validation or they don't need that, you know, high five at the end of the day. Yeah, They just happy seeing the numbers going up or happy knowing that they're helping their clients that can be their fist bump yeah absolutely and uh i suppose it's important to know what yours your you know what your motivation is or where you source that from yeah oh mate, i love it okay and what would you say to maybe some advisors looking at this and they wanted to maybe grow their volume or you know bring more leads in like was any type of structure you'd recommend or some tools they could use trail (laughs) (laughs) can't plug that yeah Yeah, can't plug that no well you Um, can actually plug that plug that (laughs) um that's a good question one that i'm probably not the most uh i don't know expert in um uh, a big one is a big one is and um, i'd say most people do it but probably feel awkward doing it is asking your existing clients you know, calling them up and saying, you know, touching base and then asking, hey, look, do you have any friends that would value what I, you know, the the journey I took you on, would they value something similar, similar experience? It, it's funny how, like, if you do a really good job with a client, it's funny how far they'll go to um, to to refer you to other people and want to um, see you grow as well. But um, they don't think about that naturally you you know asking the question really puts it in their mind same for asking for reviews or anything really yeah, yeah. the big benefit of it actually is if you really enjoyed working with that client they're going to refer people that are similar to them and you start growing this this base of clients that you enjoy working with it's the same with us i feel like mm. our customers who we love they refer us other customers who similar also love on. working with and it yeah. it's great having that yeah, sometimes it comes un- unprompted and it's, mm. it's really special when people do that, but sometimes you've just got to pick up the phone and ask the question. Do you ever have people, you know, asking for, yeah, give me a Prezi card, you know, or like, you know, anything like that? <laughs> or from a client point yeah, of view? I don't know, you know, sometimes... pricing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's like, you know, oh, hey, you're... send us someone. Yeah, what's in it for me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not... Uh, 
I mean, we we used to do it, but that wasn't the motivation for for why they would do it. You know, they depending on the type of person they were, it was more um, they wanted to help their friends out. You know, they've been through a journey and all of a sudden they're on the other end. They've got increased financial literacy and, you know, they see their friend about to buy their first home and go, hey, look, you've got to speak to this person. You've got to speak to this guy, yeah. That's why it's really important to that whole journey that client goes on. It may be mundane in your daily work, but for them it's every interaction is, it's like huge. David, thanks so much for joining us today. I think it's been uh, great to hear about your journey from, you know, year one to year five to where you are now <laughs> and some of the lessons you learn on the way. Yeah. Um, how do people reach you? O2. <laughs> <laughs> now you can just reach out. I'll probably be on the, the Can Trail website. So if you, um, if you want any help or you want to be pointed in the right direction, more than happy to, to um, assist. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Warwick. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Right, we'll see you at the after-work drinks. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs)